I'm not my own toughest critic, uh, we're not going to be the success we are today because it is my job to make sure I'm better and better every day. So yes, I was very blessed to have the name Bigelow and very blessed to be given the opportunity. But I will tell you, after that, it's 100% you and it'll fail on your shoulders or it'll succeed based on what you're able to do with that business. So I am very proud that I've been able to run this business for so long and it be growing and growing like it is. Uh, great people around me. This is the reason why we're growing. But uh, you, you might have the name, but that doesn't mean you have the skill sets. You've got to prove you've got those skill sets Sylvia every day. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hi, I am Cindy Bigelow, third generation um, Bigelow T CEO and president of a wonderful family business. Uh, it's been in the business family business for 80 years, and I'm so excited to be here, and I want to welcome you to Sylvia and me. Cindy, it is such a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time because you might be just a little busy running a national market leader of specialty teas, you know. And also, you've raised two wonderful children. Um, so, what I'd like to do is uh, a couple of things. We're just going to talk and chat. And you, as you said, third generation. In fact, your grandmother started the business in 1945. Absolutely, she did. Which is really, if you think about it, back then, so unusual. So unusual. Such an uphill battle. Um, and there's a lot of lessons I learned from her. Okay. So the first thing I want to do is there's always these perceptions of family businesses. Ah, uh, you're running the family business. You probably just got in. Can you bust that myth of what, you know, a family business, because you can't, cannot be running a business like Bigelow T just because you were born into it. Right. I think that's a great question. And I think that's a fair um, conversation for people to have, you know, Hey, I'm a family member. I'm a Bigelow. Of course, they're going to give it to you. And all right, maybe from a baton passing, uh, there is an element of, of reality to that, but you are not going to be able to sustain a business. I've been doing this now for 35 years. You can't grow a business year after year after year, just because you have a name. That will never be. And so it's like in any business, whether it's a private business, it's a public business, it's nonprofit, profit, the person at the top has to have the appropriate skill sets, has to challenge themselves to be better every day, has to make sure they're getting good counsel, um, and is, is really has to be your the toughest critic. So if I'm not my own toughest critic, uh, we're not going to be the success we are today because it is my job to make sure I'm better and better every day. So yes, I was very blessed to have the name Bigelow and very blessed to be given the opportunity. But I will tell you, after that, it's 100% you and it'll fail on your shoulders or it'll succeed based on what you're able to do with that business. So I am very proud that I've been able to run this business for so long and it be growing and growing like it is. Uh, great people around me. This is the reason why we're growing. but. Uh, yeah, you 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 might have the name, but that doesn't mean you have the skill sets. You've got to prove you've got those skill sets every day. Well, as you said, the company has been in business since 1945, and it's successful. 
And you took over the reins of the president and CEO of the company back in 2005, just yesterday. Um, (laughs) And within that, that, that time, you've put out quite a number of initiatives yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One of which is Bigelow T's, str- T's uh, strive towards sustainability. Yes, yes. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? The sustainability is a word that's been thrown around, but you've actually done something. Well, you know, for me, I try to look at every element of the business and I look at business as a force for good. And um doing your part from a global perspective, from a community perspective, that's part of like making a difference, making the world a better place, leaving it better uh, after you leave it, if at all possible. And so the sustainability work really started, you know, when my kids were um, in third and fifth grade and they were coming back home and elementary school and talking about recycling. And I wasn't recycling. I didn't really know much about it. And, you know, kids are, well, we have to do this for school. And I started to think about it and do my part at home. And I came into the business back then, which now we're talking in the 90s. And I was like, okay, um, what are we doing here? And so that's really how it started. It really, uh, it was a game of inches. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people, which they often do in my career, look at me like, what is she talking about? <laughs> but I, I knew it was just the right thing to do. I wasn't trying to achieve these monumental accomplishments in a short period of time. But I said, hey, we can try. We can start. And so back in the late 90s, we just started to, you know, talk about some things that we could do that weren't really that painful, but we could start. It was a discipline. Uh, and that discipline by early, mid 2005, six really kind of sunk into the DNA. And by 2010, 15, 20, and now 22, it's really who we are. We think very much about every piece of paper? How do we reduce waste? How do we not even compost? How do we remove waste from our system? So whether it's solar panels, uh, looking at geothermal, um, you know, efficiencies with all of our energy usage. uh, We just, I'm very, very blessed. We're a zero waste to landfill organization, which is very hard to accomplish when you're making 2 billion tea bags a year. You are producing a lot of waste. But I really would say everyone's on board. We've got a lot of real drivers in each facility that keeps this going. And I, as I said, it, it started just because, hey, why are we not? Right? No strategic vision. Just why are we not? And, and it came from your children today. coming home from school, yeah. which I think is fantastic. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, David. <laughs> you know, ideas come from all over. And, and there you go. Um, straight from there. You mentioned something. We talked uh, a little bit about your grandmother having started this company back in 1945, which had to be beyond, anyone could imagine a woman building a company that has now been as successful as it is. And you spoke about lessons you've learned some lessons from your grandmother i was going to ask you about lessons you learned from your father because you had a ted talk about that and you mentioned three things one had to do with stamps the other one had to do with uh safe family space and the third thing had to do with the value of pride putting pride in, in 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 others and, and, and appreciation, yes, yes. You have 
said repeatedly that everyone really has a lesson that someone can learn from if you're able to have your ears open to hear not just what you want to hear, but maybe stuff that you don't. Can you give an example? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but lessons learned from your grandmother. Well, my grandmother, you know, more of what my lessons were for reading about her, right? Because uh, she died when I was six years old, but there was so much that I read about her. And it was really uh, getting into some of her journals where she's talking about how discouraged she is um, because it's starting a business. Uh, it's a product that nobody knows. Uh, she's a woman and she's just dealing with one hurdle after another. And so she calls her sister, Lois Campbell. And Lois Campbell shares with her a story of when mama moved the pony stable. And she shares how this story was the kids of my great grandmother, who's Ruth and Lois, want her to move this pony stable because they've moved to another part of Rhode Island and Bottoms is this pony that's going with them and they want the stable. And she says, no, I can't do it. The kids convince her. So she's going to move this pony stable and she has to take it through the streets of Providence on a carriage and people are heckling and heckling and heckling. And she doesn't care. She says, I don't do it because my kids want to do it. And that night the pony stable is there and Bottoms is in the pony stable. And Lois says to Ruth, my grandmother's discouraged. She goes, don't forget when mama moved the pony stable. And I could cry just sharing that story because it was just like, you can do things that are impossible. You just have to figure out a way. And the tenacity and the ability to get past the no is what I really learned from my grandmother. Which is it's a big lesson. Right. A huge lesson. Because what you've accomplished is that balancing between career and family. And you're in a family business. So I know that one of the things that is very, very important to you, which you, you do, and, and you, I'll let you tell the story, but scheduling family time and phone, how does the phone work in there? Well, you know, as you and I were actually talking earlier before we started our podcast, I was saying the thing I'm the most proud of is my children. And uh, as a working mother, I remember um, I also had flex schedule, which was great. Uh, but everyone at Bigelow, we started flex schedule before people were talking about flex schedules. But I remember my kids saying to me, you're the only mother that works. I'm like, I'm not the only mother that works, <laughs> but thank you very much for pointing out that I do work. But what I did in order to make sure that I was the best mother that I could be, that's, you know, they always say you want it all, right? Yeah, I want to be a full-time mom and a full-time, uh, you know, individual at Bigelow T. What I did is I scheduled. So, uh, you know, that was Wednesday reading in the classroom or Tuesday art in the classroom or Thursday on the, the, the playground for recess, watching it, whatever the days of the month I was able to do that, that was scheduled, that was locked and loaded and nothing got in the way of that. Uh, and as they got older, my phone was always on. So I didn't care what the meeting was. When that phone rang, I was up and out. And I gave that as the same rule for everyone that worked for me. If that's your family on that phone, get out. You don't even have to say a word. And I remember always doing this, always being available, always being available. And uh, the little small side note, David would call me sometimes at seven o'clock at night. I'd be in the office. He goes, I'm starving, mom. I'm going to eat now. <laughs> and I'd be like, don't you dare eat now. I'm getting in the car. If you eat, it's going to be 
curtains for you. So I would rush home and we would have dinner. So I always tried to make sure I was there for that. But again, phone on, phone on, phone on. So one year my son was interning here and he said, Ma, you're like so busy. You're running from meeting to meeting. How are you always available on the phone? And then he realized by the end of the internship, you just answer it in the middle of meetings. That's why you're always available for us on the phone. <laughs> so phone and scheduling were my key to being the best I could be in terms of always available and them feeling like their mother was always right there at their fingertips. So yeah, works that, for me. that's so important. And that's what a lot of women don't understand. They find it, they there are certain things that we have to put that are a priority before. And sometimes in a workplace, um, that's not acceptable. Yes. And that is, yes. isn't that a shame? Yes. Just like you said, you had flex time. Yes. You know, my being a single mom working, um, anyone that came in, all I wanted them to do was tell me the truth. Do you have childcare? Because I'll work around it. And everyone was so afraid of saying anything that we get put in these positions. That isn't that wonderful that your son realized what had been taking place all those years. But Sylvia, you really say something that's so important. You need businesses that understand that. I think today after COVID, that is a COVID positive. People do realize that, that you do need to be flexible, that family is so important. I mean, these people, many of them had to stay home and homeschool their kids basically for two years, but not enough businesses do this. I'll never forget a good, good dear friend of mine said to me once who had three children I would never tell anyone at work I even had children because I was afraid if I did, I would never see a promotion. It's like, what? What? And at Bigelow, as a family company, we were doing flex time in the 90s. Because it wasn't that are still here. We're working three days a week, four days a week, um, you know, whatever. I mean, there were adjustments, of course, based on that. But I mean, absolutely. And I always say, you've got to give that to women that want to raise their family so they don't have to make a choice, either one or the other. Keep their foot in the door. Keep them engaged. Uh, you know, it, it's just so interesting to me. I was at uh, grad, my graduate school and I was speaking at, with many other women. I was just a small panelist in this huge event at my graduate school. And these women were saying, no one's talking about the choice we have to make, that we either we're all in or we're all out. And I'm like, that's not right. Why are we not talking about that gray space to keep talented women engaged? I mean, as soon as a woman even looks like she might ever get pregnant, we make sure we say, you know, we have flex time here, flex schedule. Don't you worry. We are here for you. Well, it wasn't that long ago that married women were not supposed to work. In fact, I believe there were a couple of states where they were not allowed to work. And the minute someone became pregnant, they were fired. Oh, my God. And people don't understand. That was back in the 70s, the 60s, you know, in the 50s, there were some, some uh, laws. We assume certain things, but they weren't always here. And we shouldn't assume because we've seen rights can be taken away. So we have well, to be very careful very, and very vigilant. That's about it. these kind of things. So luckily, women are in high demand in the workplace. Women are exceedingly talented. And hopefully women are not going to lose their voice about their rights. And they have I, a right to raise a family and also work. That's it. exactly, exactly. 
Um, so on that, I want to, we talked about some of the lessons where you get your moxie, your, I, I would call husband to move forward and you're not afraid. Um, you are very involved in community projects and there's a big um, charity event coming up which yep. you initiated back in 1987. It's called the Annual Bigelow Tea Community Challenge. Yeah, it actually, the first one was in 1988. Uh, I am not married now, but it was on my wedding day. Uh, oh. True story. The first one was on my wedding day and I actually ran in the event and then I got married later that day. Isn't that funny? Um, <laughs> it started in 87 because uh, yeah, the Bigelow Tea Community Challenge was based on the fact that there was a buyer. Um, I was a um, cost accountant at the time. There was a buyer across the hall from me, very small offices. This was a very small place we worked for in Norwalk, all very close. I think mine was a closet before it was an office. And um, he lost his son, uh, Dave Shalevitz, in a car accident. And the buyer was Don across the way. And I remember just sitting in my office feeling so terrible for this man. I really was too young to even know what to say. Um, and, and talk about the Bigelow name. I don't think he liked me because of my last name, to be honest. <laughs> so it doesn't always come with a good thing when you've got the name because people make assumptions, right? It's okay. Huh. Uh, he was a lovely man. So I said, let's, what can we do? And so we just put on this local little race. It was inside Bigelow Tea. I think we raised $3,000. All of the money came from us, the Bigelow people. And it was 50 people ran it. You know, my mom, my dad, a bunch of us. Um, very fun story. And then after that first year, that $3,000 went to the high school to put a scholarship in uh, Dave Shalevitt's name. And then the next year we said, why don't we continue to do this? And we moved up to uh, Norwalk, uh, Fairfield, Connecticut after that and brought our race up with us. And um, it just went year after year after year. And now we have raised over $2 million, which I'm really proud of. We raised about $160,000, $170,000 a year. And all goes to these wonderful charities in the Bridgeport area, for the most part, Fairfield Bridgeport. Uh, and so we're just really proud of it. We have about seven, 800 people that are part of the event. And you, you think about how it started and what a beautiful community event it is. It's got a kid's fun run and it's got a, a non-competitive walk and it's got a, a race and we have music and food and beer and whatever we have, iced tea, tea. And I just look at it and I so smile and I'm so proud of it. And I just think about me sitting in the office back in 1987 and just saying, gosh, I wish there was something I could do to help with this man's pain. And... Uh, I say to people, you can do such good work and it doesn't have to start out as this major strategic vision, just like sustainability. It doesn't have to be a strategic vision. It just has to be because a little voice says to you, that would be a good thing to do. Why don't we do that? <laughs> and then you never know where it's going to go. Never. That's, so. That goes back to when I said your dad, you talked about lessons you learned from your dad. One of the things you said is, you can learn a lesson from anyone just, just around. It doesn't have to be big. And that's, you know, that's the whole idea. People don't have to come up with these huge ideas. Just think, helping, trying to help that one person look what it led to. You don't have to look for a panacea, the, the pot of gold at the end. You can just take a look and see what can happen now. Yeah, it's amazing. 
you know, uh, the old saying, one foot in front of another. Uh, and then when you ask another person to walk by your side and then another person walks by there, what you can get done. I've, I found, especially in the world of community giving and also for sustainability, I think everybody wants it. Most people want to do good work. Most people really would like to, and they don't necessarily know how. That's so if a- you can say to them, here's a, a small task, would you mind doing this? You'd be surprised how happy they are to do that. And then once they gain the confidence to say, that was easy, you got another one for me? So it's really just about putting the opportunity out there in bite-sized pieces, right? Bite-sized pieces. We don't all have to, you know, build boys and girls clubs, you know, it's great if we could, but we can't all do that, but we can all make a difference every day. And it's, it's kind of, you know, moving all together. If you can get that energy, whether it's sustainability or giving back to the community or doing something, the good work you can all do, it, it starts to really make a difference. And that's what I've seen in all my years on this earth is that you really start to see it build like the sustainability where we are today versus where we started, right? It's, it does start to, the flywheel really starts and then you really get to see it take off. You know, the one thing about tea is it's always been associated with comfort. I know my mother always gave, you know, back then there was only really one brand of of tea that she ever uh, drank. And Lipton, Lipton tea? You got it. That's it, of course. I love that. I to have it Yay, with milk. Lipton. Because my grandmother had uh, had uh, grown up in uh, London, so she always Thank drank you. it with we milk, Lipton we tea. Do too. We do too. Um, I love Lipton. It's all good. <laughs> and you now have a benefits uh, wellness line. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk just a little bit about that and promote it? But why, why, considering tea has always been a comfort, Healthy. how does this go a step further? Well, you know, we're always saying, you know, what more do we need to give the consumer, right? And for me, who's tried to live a healthy living for many, many years, again, starting with my children, um, you know, they started to have to see a naturopath. I had to start to only go and get things that didn't have sugar and didn't have any preservatives in it. And so for many, many years, that has been my way of addressing some of the health issues that my children had. My son was asking me recently, how did I get involved with that? I said, because of you guys, right? Megan had some issues. You had some issues. And so I turned to the natural world to help me resolve what I was not able to resolve other ways. And so when I'm thinking about lines and what people need for the wellness line, now we're, we're looking at some major conditions that are out there. So for example, sleep, that's a big deal. I can't tell you how many women talk to me about the fact that they can't sleep. Uh, GERD, you know, acid reflux, how many people are dealing with that? So uh, there's just so many categories of issues that people are talking about. How could I help that in any way possible? So we got together and we identified really the seven areas that we felt were unfortunately areas of growing concern that we, we could be a little bit of a part of, right? We're not doctors. We're not in the, you know, we're not giving you prescription drugs. And so we identified these seven areas. And then from those areas, we built the herbs that are renowned in supporting those particular categories. Uh, And that's how the wellness line was built. It was literally built first category, second, what are the herbs are? And then third, they had to taste delicious because that's what we do. It's about a, a wonderful experience. And then we also wanted to make sure it didn't have to be a dietary supplement, which means you need to have these warnings all over it, which to me, 
is a little concerning when you're having a product with warnings all over it. So it's been a real success for us. And especially things like I said, sleep was our number one. Uh, This was all before COVID, right? Stay well. That was our second one. And especially during COVID, everyone was trying to do things to keep their body healthy. Uh, Calm stomach was an unbelievable one. Now we have stress-free, which is the rose mint. Who doesn't want a little less stress in their life? (laughs) So, I mean, these are categories that are built on the real deal. Uh, But still, you know, no dietary supplement. You don't have any warnings on it. You can drink as much as you want and they're delicious. So that's kind of how the wellness started. Uh, And it's, it's a line I'm very proud of. So what's next? Well, one thing was funny. I'm drinking right here. And before we had um, our interview today for our podcast, uh, I'm drinking our botanical line and the botanical line. I just, we just designed based on again, conversation, Sylvia, like this, where women say, I need to drink more water, right? And so this was done before COVID. And one of the first things I said, if you got COVID is you have to drink a lot more water. But in general, I was saying, we need to drink more water. Everyone's saying we need to drink more water. So we said, how do we use a tea bag to be, to help in this, this process and remove the, the having to boil the water and all the other stuff that goes with it. So we designed um, a botanical line, an all natural gorgeous botanical line that all you do is you just take your tea bag and you just put it in your water and you let it seep and it infuses over the next five to 10 minutes. I'm always drinking it with a tea tag hanging out of it. And now easily I'll drink 60 ounces of water a day easily. And I was just saying to our our director of marketing prior to our talking today, I said, I can't tell you how much water I have drank because of this botanical line. I can't measure how much more water. So again, the idea germinated from we, especially women, need to drink more water. We want to drink more water. For me, I don't like to drink water. I find it boring. Some women love it. Some men love it. My son drinks 120 ounces a day. I think he drinks too much water. It's going to drown. But you know, for me, the botanical did exactly what it's supposed to do. And it's doing exceedingly well for us because women are and men are resonating and for their kids. There's no calories, right? No, nothing artificial. And you're, and it's not an iced tea. It is not an iced tea. It's an infused botanical water. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Okay. Um, I might just start drinking more water. <laughs> Cindy, I want to thank you for taking the time today um, out of your busy schedule. All right. You have nothing to do. I forgot. <laughs> um, your community challenge As I I think I mentioned, uh, Bigelow is headquartered in Fairfield, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. my hometown right now. Um, And you have the community challenge coming up, I believe the last September, which we checked is September 25th. Mm -hmm. We will be dropping this, as they say, airing this podcast before then. Um, Where can people find out more about Bigelow and you and all the great things that you've done. You know, just go to BigelowT.com. You can register for the event. You can donate to the event. Although you you really should come because it's unbelievable t-shirt and goodie bags. We pride ourselves on that amazing raffles. It's insane how beautiful this event is. Uh, or you could just go on BigelowT.com and find out about our newest teas or recipes or, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Videos that we do. We just actually released a video on sustainability so lots of fun stuff, I think, happens on BigelowTea.com. And, and, you know, it's kind of fun also to know a little bit more about the company. If you do drink Bigelow, to know about the company. Who are these people? 
what do they stand for, right? I look at BigelowT.com as a way to, to, to become part of the family. What message would you give to women today? Hmm. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for making the world a better place. We need you. Uh, and we need you to be engaged and we need you to understand how valuable you are and the difference that you make in this world and use your skills, use your skills every day, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's community or wherever you choose to, to make the world a better place every day, because that's what we can do. Uh, that's what we do do. Uh, and I think we need to be appreciated for it. We need to appreciate ourselves, uh, cause we need a lot more of that. Cindy, thank you so much. This has oh, been wonderful. Thank you, Sylvia. How very fun to get a chance to, to chat for a little while. I really appreciate it. I loved it. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. This has been a Life of Prey production. 